Hello and welcome back to Patriot to the Core podcast. I am Thad Forrester. Thank you for joining us again this week for episode number 28. Uh, Today's guest is Matthew Glencoe, and I wanted to have him on today because, first of all, today is my brother Mark's, would be his 36th birthday. For those who don't know, uh, Mark was killed in action in Afghanistan in 2010, and so if you listen to to the previous episodes of this podcast, I mean, he has mentioned several times, a lot of the guests knew Mark, served with him, or somehow knew him, and uh, if not, and some of the guests, you know, agreed to be on the podcast because of my brother's service and his example. So uh, he was played a huge influence in this podcast. So I wanted to have Matt on to talk about his role in the book, and you know how we met, and why it was important for him to come to Haleyville, our hometown, to meet so many people and to, and to take part in our annual fundraiser, which is a, uh, a, a walk and also a race. Uh, he took part of the, the walk. Uh, he came and we did 31 continuous miles. Smoked him pretty good, but he did finish. Uh, it's tough to just show up and think you're going to walk. Uh, a lot of people think they can, but you realize that it's a lot tougher than you think. And Matt found that out. Too. Plus, he came from the Northwest, and it was uh, the humidity was really strong for him. It was cool that morning, but it, I guess it warmed up, and it was very hot that afternoon for him. Uh, uh, but he anyway, he talks about... It's just the process of kind of sorting through the information and the interviews, and so he was a big help to me. Uh, his vocabulary is obviously a lot better is a lot better than mine, and he was able to do some interviews and and do some organizing and arranging that was just a, a tremendous help to me. So I really appreciate him and his uh, friendship and also his uh, commitment to kind of to to help preserve Mark's legacy and get it out there too. Uh, he's just been a big support to our family. So with uh, Mark's birthday today, and then we're preparing for our annual event this Saturday, May 20th, which will be 36 continuous miles walked this year. And then also the races, the half marathon, the 5K, the 10K. And uh, hopefully we'll have a great turnout. Hopefully we have a lot of new people too. We have some people join us for the walk that are able to feel the pain and uh, but not get too discouraged because it is a, it is a it's a great event, and uh, it's amazing how many people do show up that don't even know Mark and put themselves through some tremendous pain. So let's bring Matt on, and I uh, hope you enjoy. Uh, please also rate the podcast if you haven't. If you don't know how to rate it, I'm going to figure that out so I can tell you one week. Uh, I know how to do it on the computer. It's very easy, but on the phone, it's a little more complicated, I think. I can still do it, but I'm not sure I could actually tell you right now. So I'll, I'll get familiar with it more and <laughs> tell you how to rate it via your phone on iTunes, uh, since most people listen to it that way. So let's get Matt in. Well, Matt Glencoe, welcome to Patriots of the Core. Thanks for joining me. Absolutely delighted to be with you. Again, it's been too long since we've spoken. It has. You know, our we used to have weekly Skype sessions as we were as we were preparing the book. So those for those who have read uh, My Brother in Arms, uh, you will be familiar with our guest, Matt, or Matthew Glencoe, because he... His name is on the front too, and he was a big help with the book. So, um, I guess there's a lot of a lot of questions I want to ask you, Matt, just to kind of talk about that process and, you know, why you chose to, to you know, to do the book besides just needing some work or something. But I really like to just talk about yeah. First is what what was it about it? You know, why did you why did you agree to do it, and how were you even introduced to Mark? Um. So at the time I was uh, in the food industry as, you know, I was my career out of school um, and uh, I was, I got to know Mark because Melanie, 
had done the interview with you and I went to high school with Melanie Hansen and I, if anybody's listening, I don't know. It's another book that he wrote. The what did she call that? The hero book, book of heroes, or the triumph book heroes. And by the way, it's it's Melanie Davis now for the listeners. But yeah, oh, Hansen is her her maiden name. <laughs> see, see, I knew her as Melanie Hansen. Is it? You know, we were all kids then. But um, any rate, she had been posting stuff about about uh, veterans and you know people in the service. Which I'm a Navy brat, history buff, all that. And it interested me. I asked her, "What are you up to?" She said, "Well, I'm working on a book." And being a, a committed to my nerd credentials, I said, let me help you. Uh, I, I'll be happy to help with editing work. And so she said, great. And she had enter, interviewed you, transcribed the interview. But, you know, just verbatim transcription is, is unreadable. Um, we just we read one thing and we speak another way. And that's just how it is. So um, I had that transcript. I was on an airplane flying back home after a long week on the East Coast. And I had the I had the seat to myself, you know, or that row to myself. I had a lot of space. And I remember just pulling up the laptop and diving into this. And, you know, just that first snapshot of Mark really stood out. And then I don't know, some I don't know if it was weeks or a few months later, you know, how corporate America can be. You get hired by one manager, it's a good fit. You get hired and then then a new manager comes along a few months later, it's not so great, and another month a few months go by and then you're wondering what to do with yourself. And I had remembered as I was in the position of going, you know what, I'm not really having a lot of fun with the corporate world. Uh, it's time to reinvent Matt Glencoe. And what's he going to do? And I'm not sure quite what, but I remembered Melanie mentioning that Mark's family wanted to do a book. And I guess it's just because I'd been so impressed by Mark's story. Um, it resonated and like, you know, nothing ventured, nothing gained. And I asked Melanie to put me in contact with you. And you know, we went back and forth and talked about it. And, you know, I can't if I have to put one phrase on it, it was the opportunity of a lifetime. I felt that in the process as we were working on it. And I have felt that every minute ever since that going through Mark's life, being a part of the community or becoming a part of the community in my small way was it was like I was pinching myself. I'm living in a movie, you know, so. I know. I think it's a roundabout way of answering a question. I hope that's interesting. Yeah, the 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 timing worked out great, me because you know I, I wasn't planning on using anybody, and after I've been working on it for I don't know a year, year and a half, I finally realized I got to have some help, and so or Jeez. this or it's going to take forever for this thing to get done. So it actually yeah. worked out really well. Um, yeah, you and I talked for a while before you know any, any agreement was made, and you know because I talked to some other people. And, uh, so I just, I was just really picky. Uh -huh. And so, you know, then I felt it was important that you come to Hayleville, you came down. And so why don't you describe your experience coming down here for the first time for that big, for our big annual event, the race and the walk. Yeah, that was the walk 31 and, um, for the 31 miler. And, uh, you know, by that point, so you and I started talking probably September, October of, I think that was 2011, Probably. Yeah. Uh, it was yeah. late 2011. And uh, so by now we're talking May of 2012. And I was already fairly familiar with the characters who all was involved and in, in, in all this. And um, I remember you picking me up, you know, and I mean, you guys couldn't be more polite or gracious. And, uh, you know, Rosalind was the same. Just, you know, again, the warmest, nicest of Rosalind, your wife, warmest, nicest woman you ever want to meet. Uh, reminds me of my own wife and uh, in a lot of ways. And so you just, you know, it wasn't, it didn't feel, I don't remember feeling awkward or, 
or strange it was like oh okay i finally get to put real flesh and blood you know three-dimensional contact with these people that i've already become begun to be familiar with and then coming into haleyville i'd seen snapshots and some of the photos we'd had you know but uh uh, I, you know, it, again, I think I immediately was almost a sense of odd, like, wow, I'm involved in this and all this stuff isn't, is, is, is real. It's not just something, you know, folded in pages in a binder that I had. Um, uh, you know, I, I can't think of what else offhand, just that I just try to soak it in, you know, just send out, extend the antenna, try to be really observant, um, and, you know, one of the questions, you know, I think that came up, somebody asked once is like, you know, was it necessary to go to Haleyville? And it was absolutely essential because I remember working on it beforehand, um, trying to set order and doing things that it just there was no way to have the picture in my head of what does this really like? And by going, seeing, you know, being able to actually hear your mother's voice in my head as we're working on her chapter and, you know, the look on her face as we sat up late. I remember one night when I think it was the night after the, the rate after the walk, which, and I was just thrashed. Um, <laughs> That's an understatement. Know, no. And yeah, way bad. I do. I don't think I could do it now. Uh, and you guys are up to what mile 36 or something coming up here. Mm -hmm. But um, I, uh, you know, your mom was and your family was it was still very raw, very tender. And uh, I remember sitting around the kitchen table with, um, you know, your mom and Ish and Johnny for sure. And I think you were there, too. And just talking about it and talking about her struggles in the past and feeling like, you know, this was this was this. I was part of this, too. This was I wasn't an outsider looking in on it. I was I had become part of it and uh, deeply vested in it. And, um, and, you know, and they extend and they, and they welcomed me, all of them did, um, from not just your family, but all, you know, Mark's fan, Mark's friends and, and the other people who have come up along the way. Um, so those are some of the top impressions that I guess it came to me or that come to mind after thinking about thinking well, back on those days. I know that the, the night we arrived at my parents' house, you were standing in there in the study talking to my dad and, um. You, he asked you a question, something about what do you thought of Mark or, or why, what do you think about doing the book or something. And I remember the answer you gave. I was like, wow, okay. Now I know. I know for sure. It's like that's this is what's supposed to happen. So well, you're going to really have to good. refresh my memory because the only reason, the only thing I remember is feeling like I was a little bit on the spot, like I was on the witness stand or something. Well, if you were, uh, yeah, the 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 feeling there was de it was definitely a powerful feeling of boom. Okay, that was that was spot on. That, uh -huh. that kind of was like probably what everybody needed to hear, but not only hear but feel was what I felt anyway. So uh -huh. I don't know even know exactly what it was now. I can I have it in my head and see you standing there. I might have written it in my journal. I might need yeah. to go look at that. But uh, <laughs> I know it was very beneficial. You did the walk with us, and um, you made a lot of friends there that way. And I, I remember we get to probably about mile 20, I'm going to say 24, 25. And, well, and then by the time we get to my parents' house, which was, you know, getting close to the end, I don't yeah. know uh, what happened after that for you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I think I had done pretty well, and I don't know what mile mark, but we came along. It went pretty well because it was a cold morning. It was overcast, but by late afternoon, the sun had come out, and it was hot, and 
I had eaten too much at lunchtime, at the lunch break. And you know what that does to your body when you eat too much and you're exerting yourself. And so my system was kind of cramping up and shutting down. And then, uh, and one of those who I'd been able to befriend was, um, uh, you know, Tony, Tony B. B. And he, uh, he, you know, it was weird because we'd been walking along pretty steady earlier and then he sprinted out way ahead of me. When I come back up on him and he was not in good shape, he was spread out on the lawn of these, these nice people. They never came out. But then, um, you know, and it gave me excuse to stop because I really needed a break. And I just stopped and more people were walking along, more people are walking along. And and um, I just thought, I'll, I'll stay with Tony. I'm good staying with Tony right now because I really needed the break, the heat, you know, too much food, um, all of that. And uh, uh, along comes George. And Annie and George Earhart, if you've read the book, and, and uh, his now wife. And uh, George was still very much in recovery from his wounds he'd suffered not long after Mark uh, had been lost. And uh, so he was slow, but he was moving along. And I remember he stopped, and I was just in amazement of the, uh, the poise and the control and yet the – incredible bedside manner <laughs> you know i mean you just knew i just was watching this and knew that tony couldn't be in better hands than he was in george's hands at that moment as george was talking him through it and you know maybe it's be okay you can get in the car and ride and tony was adamant now i'm gonna get it back up i just need a rest and it, it gave me such an impression because you know these guys are fierce warriors but i've never seen such a, a de- demonstration of compassion or never seen a greater demonstration of compassion than what I saw from George in that time um, standing there. And then, you know, then t- Tony and I kind of were the walking wounded and hobbled in late. <laughs> and, you know, we made it to your parents' house. I remember taking our shoes off, dipping our feet in the pool to cool off, you know, and, and we came straggling in probably at the very back of the pack, but, you know, a couple old men, but we made it. <laughs> yeah, and, great. Uh, well, you know, that, a real bond. You know, yeah. with the walk coming up, you know, as this airs, you know, this week, and we'll be walking yeah. 36 miles. You know, I know you, uh, that was a powerful, I don't know, event for you. And you actually came back the next year and helped in different ways. Uh, yep. you know, and you took some in- incredible pictures too. And you kind of helped well, a lot of ways. I mean, you helped with drinks, you helped motivate some people to slow down because sometimes mm-hmm. some people try to walk too fast and, so anyway, uh, it was great having you there, and, and you're right. I, I mean, I'm glad you felt it was essential. I mean, I, I felt like it was, but I know it was no, really more impactful on you because it was, you know, you were in, introduced to so many people. Right. Well, it would be impossible because, and, and maybe for the listener, backing up. So you had, already, like you said, you had already done a year and a half worth of research on this, and I remember as we got talking, you went to work and you scanned everything that you had collected to that point and emailed these PDFs to me, I printed them out, and the the binder, and I still have the binder, is every bit of an inch and a three-quarters thick, double-sided. <laughs> and so my first task was to kind of take an assessment of what all was here and then impose some order and structure on it and then find a way to translate that to a reader who had never met you, never met Mark, never been to Haleyville, but put them in that place. Well, it would be hard for me to have put them there without having been there myself. And so that became absolutely essential because I could close my eyes and think about what that was like in, you know, your house or whatever the scene was. So, yeah. 
Well, let's think yeah. about let's talk about that a minute um, because I remember particularly the chapter that my mom basically wrote. It was her words. Yeah. And I remember you talking to me saying, "Hey, we need to change this a little bit. I'm, I don't understand this." And you know, we're from a small town in the south, and not only do we have a, a different accent, but we also speak differently. Mm-hmm. And so that was something completely new to you. Yeah, it was a real balance to how do you um, how do you write in a way. Uh, how do I ghost? How could we ghostwrite it? Because the reality is, again, we speak in certain ways, and even people when they write, they'll have grammatical errors and they'll have small errors. How do you preserve their voice without ca- creating speed bumps to the reader? Because some things cause speed bumps, and I remember, I do remember that conversation with you about this, and. You know, to what degree it, it's a continuum. You know, there's 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 a range that you operate in there, and you know, I probably my default would be to err more toward the side of making it correct. You know, and it's you know, and I I I, I struggle with that because it's not I don't want to convey any pejorative or anything negative. It just you know, um, your mom is a gem, and she did an, an incredible job of conveying the pain that only a mother can feel in that kind of a circumstance. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I didn't want to lose any of that uh, because, again, I knew where you were. I knew where she was coming from, but somebody from the Northwest or the Northeast or whatever, you didn't want to get them to distract it, yep. I guess. Yep. And right. it, it, it's, it's just it's all it is. So how do you communicate effectively and still be true to the person's voice? And, um, you know, which is, again, why you also couldn't have just handed me all your research and said, go to it. That's why you and I were talking on a weekly basis and hashing through, through things to make sure we got it right. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Well, so what were the easiest parts of the book and what were the hardest parts to, to, you know, to organize and write? Um, the hardest part, without doubt, is my own ADD. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, I I honestly love the process and the creation of writing. Um, I've said to, I've said to other people to me, um, words have flavor. You know, like food has. You know, words words when you know that yeah they're seed they're 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 a kind of seasoning. There's something uh, almost sensual about words when you put them together in in the right way or in a certain way, and uh, and it. Honestly, I have to be in a zone mentally to, to create in that way. But getting myself there, I feel sort of like that dog that's wait, that's going to lay down and just keep circling and circling and circling its mat before I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> so I'll do everything else conceivable except what I'm supposed to be doing and finally still out. So, yes, the hardest part was my own, you know, ability to, to settle down and just get in the zone and focus. Once I was there, uh, it was funny, too, because – I'd be there. I had. I was in the home office at the time, and uh, I'm in the zone. I'm there. It took me forever to get there, and then one of the kids would come in and say, "Daddy," and I'm like, "Bah!" Mm-hmm. I don't yeah. startle easy, but there would be. I would be so focused sometimes. I would start, and I could be. I could be. It would be hard not to feel anger and a flash of anger in that moment because you you that interruption when I'm just so deep into it. Um, but uh, the easiest part, I think the easiest part was to feel a sense of appreciation and wonder 
um, for Mark, for the family. Um, the easiest part, I guess, how do I say to kind of to feel to fall in love with all of you, all the, the group? I mean, um, I went through my own sort of mourning process. The more I got to know Mark, the more it I felt the pain of his loss. You know, it went from, you know, instead of just some remote person in a distant place who I'd never heard or met to, you know, this was somebody I knew you know, gone to school with, had grown up with, or, you know, I had maybe not family ties, but I had, I had a close personal connection that therefore I felt the pain of the loss as well. You know, um, yeah. So maybe that was the easiest thing. I think that's, uh, that's probably what, what makes, makes the, I don't know, the book effective to, to at least some, you know, is because you were fully vested and are invested Whatever yeah. the right word is in you, I mean, you were, it did, it came from deep within you too. I mean, it was obviously my heart and soul, but you were, it, it was, it was very personal for you to became personal for you. No, absolutely. This was not a job. Um, this was every bit a calling to fulfill. Um, yes, I did get a small fee for it. Um, it would never be, and it was really all I did was kind of help cover a couple of costs. I needed a new computer. Um, it was it, it it was a a work of love. It was uh, a calling I had to fulfill. Frankly, I know at least once my wife kind of stepped around the corner and she, you know, if you're a believer, if, if for the unbelievers that they may not feel, you know, may think, yeah, whatever, it was her imagination. But Constance felt that she saw Mark one time. The room was dark and she felt she saw a figure in the room looking over my shoulder, and he was nodding in approval. <laughs> so. I think I've told you that I, you know, I, I don't feel like I, I think it's important enough that I definitely felt a presence um, guiding the work. Were there any other moments that you can remember that stood out to where it was kind of whether it was a very powerful, uh, you know, spiritual or powerful feeling or maybe an aha moment or anything like that that you can that you'd like to share? Um, the one section I think that really at least that jumps out there. Are, I mean, there are probably more and, and shame on me. I probably should have gone through the book a little bit and tried to refresh my memory, but life is just insanity. Like we talked about before we started rolling the tape, but, um, Matt Longenaker is the one who wrote the piece. He was the high, he was the low bird Apache pilot. No, Matt was and, the high bird. Oh, he uh, was hybrid, but he's yeah. the one who gave the account. If I remember, was he, was he the other one? Well, was, maybe you're thinking of, uh, I think, uh, Scott Chapman. Chapman. I think that's it? it. There was the low bird. It was the account of the low bird. Um, and he, what he wrote was what the, the, what I got was his after action report. But it was written in such a way that I was looking at the scene through his eyes. And I could, I, I saw it all unfold before my eyes as if, you know, from his perspective. And you're right. I think it was Chapman. And, um, it, it, it was, it was terrible. I, I don't know how else to put it. It was, it was visceral what I felt, um, in going through that section. And then, and I didn't really have to embellish it or do much to it. I think I made a few small tweaks and, you know, just polished it for print. Um, but, he did an, an incredible job of putting the the reader in that situation in the in the cockpit with him, seeing what we were seeing, you know, um, and the tragedy of the moment. So, 
yeah, he he did a he really did a fantastic job there. Um, I mean, Matt, what what impact has Mark had on your life and on and your family? Well, I mean, you know, for well, for starters, um, you know, I never am not. I, I the only time I don't wear my uh, my Mark Forrester, you know, bracelet is. Uh, which is typical of all, you know, most people in my area don't know what those are. We don't have enough servicemen here or service people here. Occasionally I'll get asked, but, you know, the black aluminum band with, you know, with the mark, with the name of, a, of somebody who is special. So I have worn that every day since I got it. Um, you know, my office has a little corner on a credenza and it's got my grandfather's, one of my grandfather's old hats that he wore, you know, because it was very close to my grandfather a flag and the book and the challenge coin and there's a light behind it and the light is never turned out. Um, as far as how it's, it's a point of example. There are times when I'm having serious conversations with my children about what they need to strive to become and do. And, um, Mark is an example I can put point to and they all understand what I'm talking about. Um, I, and I've said, I know, I think I said it wrote it in the afterward as well, but I think the most, Remarkable thing, in meaning noteworthy or, or leaving the lasting and most lasting impression is that um, I have felt is the example Mark had over and over again that the love that he exuded. You know, the people just sent, sensed a sense of love from him of, of Christ-like love uh, or love for one's fellow, and and that is probably the one characteristic I have most wanted to emulate. Um, I don't need to be a warrior. That's not my, com my my calling in life. So I'm not. I respect that, but that's not what I'm motivated by. But you know, if I can make other people feel in a positive way, um, way you know, Mark did. If I can conduct myself in a way that inspires others to strive to be better versions of themselves, then wow, I really have accomplished something in my in my view. So I mean, um, you know, it's sort of like, you know. Again, you, you, Thad, you and I are, are, are Christians and that we, we look to Christ as our Savior. And in some ways, that's, you know, that's our ultimate example. But I would put Mark somewhere in the middle as one that is a little more tangible. Does <laughs> that, if I'm not overstating, but I mean, that's how I honestly feel. It's like, you know, it, it's somewhere in the middle. It's, it's something I can, I can, I can get my, my hands around a little better sometimes when uh, maybe my, my, my faith is a little, little softer. Yeah. I can still at least re rely on a, on a more tangible example. And, and I don't want to say that I'm deifying Mark in any way. Uh, I know full well that he was no less human or no more human than, than either of us. Uh, but the, those particular characteristics still stood out special and are, absolutely worth emulating by anybody yeah and i'm glad you said that because we that's what i put in the beginning of the book very beginning is in no way am i trying to make mark out to be someone that he wasn't i'm not trying to i, I I'm, do not want to sound like just a mourning brother who is exalting his his, his dead brother mm -hmm. uh, and and people who have criticized the book because saying that i have made my my brother out to be some perfect the best at everything have clearly not read it because if you yeah. read the, if you read the beginning and if you even read most of the praise comes from other people not from me exactly so, i mean i really wanted to make that clear in the book too is look we're not we realize we don't know all his faults but we also know plenty of his faults I, he and i live together as adults also <laughs> 
I mean, <laughs> we, we, he was a human too. He was a cut above the rest, and I have no problem saying that, but no way was he, you know, this, yeah, exalted, you know, he was per- walking on water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, the thing I think it, it's not just what, it not just what he was that is it was remarkable. I think it was how committed he was to achieving it. You know, and this is a struggle I actually have with my 15 year old right now. I mean, he's got tremendous potential, but he frequently just doesn't feel like living up to it. And, you know, he keeps saying, why do you keep selling yourself short? And if Mark did anything that was really stood out from the, from the herd, it's that he sold himself short a lot less than the rest of us do. <laughs> but when he was 15 or 16, you know, or 17, he was a little, he was a little lazy sometimes, but, you know, so he, there was a, there was a period where he was kind of that way too, in some ways. Yeah. Yeah. There was all those video games and everything, I guess. I do remember that. We had that at the book. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, you know, well, and, and now what about for you? You know, how, how is this, you know, why, I guess one of the questions I, and I'm not sure I ever answered this, why a book? I mean, I get the, I get the desire to, you know, memorialize a, a, a departed loved one. You know, we all have that experience. We all do things. I mean, that's why my grandfather's hat is still sitting in my office. He's been gone for 25 years, 26 years. You know, um, why a book, though? Well, you? you know, I remember sitting there at mom and dad's house, you know, within a few days of his death. And, you know, there was a lot going on. And if you read the book, you'll learn there's so much that goes on with a military funeral. And military you know, with a death, what killed in action, and then what has to happen until you can actually have the funeral. And so it was a very busy time. But I remember sitting in the living room. There were a few people in there, and I said, I'm going to write a book about Mark. It's got to be written. And the reason why, I mean, yes, uh, I miss my brother. But I felt like, and I say this, I say this in the introduction, uh, is, um, you know, his life needed to be recorded. He had, plus he has no, had no wife or kids. So who's going to carry on his legacy? Right. Uh, and a book is really the best way to do that. There, now there's, there is written history forever, both, mm-hmm. both hard, a physical copy and, um, you know, electronic. So it had to be done. I mean, cause I, I've seen, you know, even in my, my 40 years on the earth, which is not really a lot, but, but it's at least I'm halfway there, I guess. Um, how quickly people can be forgotten. You know, you die, and I mean, you know, I've got I've got grandparents, some that I didn't know much about. I've got I've got some cousins I don't know at all. I mean, yeah. and so, and I've got nieces and nephews now that I've known since they well, I knew since they were born, but yet my kids ain't gonna aren't gonna know them as well as me. So, it's really to preserve to preserve his life, and I mean, people need to people need to learn about these heroes that make a commitment to fight evil and mm-hmm. Marx was in a little more dramatic way than, you know, yours and mine probably. But, um, and even at the time the, the market was probably already saturated with military books, but of right. course there's been a, a lot more now. And I'm, I'm glad I wrote it you know, when we did, because there's even a lot more books in that same genre now that, that would make it even more difficult to get noticed. 
to get breakthrough. That's interesting. And how has that gone? How has the book gone? I mean, how has it been received in, in the podcast and all, all of your efforts? Because, you know, and if the reader, if the listener of this podcast probably knows, but, you know, there's a lot more than just the book involved. And, and how, how has that gone? And what, what, have, been, what have been your objectives and, and goals with it? Well, the book, I would say this. I mean, we have a publisher, Triumph Press, and Melanie has been great. Uh, but, it, but it also was, uh, I mean, she helped a lot. But, but she, the distribution is not something that she does as much. And so the, it, the, the marketing, the promotion and distribution is, or promotion is mostly, you know, me or you know, the foundation. So considering that, the book has done great. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, we haven't had to print off 100,000 copies or anything like that. Um, but it, but it, it's it steadily sales every month on Amazon uh, and mm-hmm. sometimes I mean we still they're sold on the website too. Um, if people can order there, they just don't you know don't order there near as much. But I mean you know we, we yeah we started the foundation because we wanted to find a way. People were so generous to us, I mean so generous and 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 so we wanted to find a way to kind of funnel that generosity, especially when it was money. To something yeah. good, besides, because we didn't we didn't really need it, and so we created the foundation to to be able to, to help people in some way or another, and also to kind of to teach people about Mark. So yeah, our priority is we we give at least one scholar college scholarship to a high level high school senior each year. I think we've always given at least two. Actually, it just depends how much money we have and also how many qualified there are. But um, we're going through the applications this year. There are there. Are, God, there's probably more qualified this year than there ever has been in a, in a class. So it's unfortunate we don't have more money to give. But uh, we have been blessed with, with people to donate and also with our fundraisers. We do the walk and the race every year. And then we started the golf tournament last year, and that will continue. And that, that was a big success. So, yeah, I started the podcast. The podcast is actually completely separate from the foundation. But they also kind of, you know, they, they kind of go hand in hand. I mean, it does promote the book. And anytime the book is promoted, it helps support the foundation because a portion of all of the sales do, you know, go to the foundation. So um, it's all, I don't know, it is connected in some way or another, but even even though the podcast is separate. So I don't know. I mean, I, I, I guess everything's received pretty well. I mean, yeah, there's there's always naysayers. And I've looked at the comments sometimes, the reviews, and you, you may have too, and yeah, I mean the reviews are actually overwhelmingly very positive. I mean it's a four point eight or something out of five stars, and um, I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, there's yeah. There, there's maybe a there may be a one star or a two star yeah. one. I don't know, but you know, there's always those people, and it's good. I mean, I don't. Yeah. I, you can't have everybody's not going to like it, and I knew that. And when you when you open yourself up to the public, that's just the way it's going to be. That's how it's going to be. Well, and you know, the thing is, come out of those is that. You know, you and I, I think fairly early on to fight it, just determined that there were two primary purposes or objectives we had for the book. And I, everything I did, every decision I made going through it was kind of through this prism. And one, which you already highlighted, is the reality is that, you know, there will be generations of foresters who will not even know your children, won't even know your grandchildren, but will still know Mark. And, yeah. and I'll tell you, thinking of that and having my name attached to it, is humbling <laughs> and you know in a, in w- with gratitude you know just feel incredible humble gratitude for that and then two primary objectives one is the record for the family the other was that those who read it would be moved 
in the way that they would have been moved if they'd met Mark personally. And those reviews have more than anything reinforced or, or confirmed that, you know, we set the objectives in the beginning, we created the product, we put the product out there, and people are having that. That's exactly, it's like, I, I couldn't have done it, I couldn't have, it's like we put the words in their mouths, <laughs> which we didn't, but that's their response to the book is exactly what we were going for. It's just been so, so sweet, just amazing. Yeah. Well, and also you asked about uh, the podcast too. The, I mean, the connection. I started this podcast because of Mark. I mean, the people that we met. Um, there, there is one thing that my eyes were opened when uh, when Mark was killed. We didn't. I didn't even understand what he was doing anyway. I mean, I tried asking him some. He tried to tell me, and I could tell sometimes he was excited about telling me, "Hey, this is what we learned." This is what we did. And I said, that's cool. That's cool. And I know you're going, I knew he was going through some just killer training because when he would come stay with me on the weekends, sometimes he was dead. And he's like, Thad, I just want to sit here and watch TV all weekend. <laughs> and I'm going to eat Chick-fil-A and I'm going to, I'm going to eat, you know, some other kind of junk food. And, but he was worn out and he yeah. said, I don't feel bad one bit for anything that I eat or for sitting here for hours at a time because of what I do all during the week. So anyway, I I I, I, um, I knew he was doing some killer stuff, but I didn't really understand what he was doing when he was deployed, and he wouldn't tell me a whole lot. But as I've said probably in the book, and I know other other times in interviews, that he would tell me sometimes, hey, remind me to tell you what happened this day. Remind uh -huh. me. So July third, I have a note. Remind Mark to tell, tell me what happened on July third, uh, two thousand ten. Mm. And so because uh, you know he was not going to risk sharing anything that didn't need to be shared and uh or making you know making sure nothing was misconstrued so he was very very professional while he was deployed and wouldn't tell us much even when we were skyping with him and we hear some loud noises going on in the background uh he, he just wouldn't he played it off so uh he was very professional and he he i don't think he took any risk in in uh saying things that he shouldn't say just because he could not wait to say, tell somebody. So mm -hmm. when he, when he was killed, our eyes were open to not only his job, but also to this whole new world of, of these mostly men, but also women that are just these, these Americans that are so most of the ones that are so quiet and, and humble and, but also just badasses. I mean, they are just incredible what they do. And so, um, I wanted to find a way to honor these people, and, and amidst you know so much negativity and negative news, let's let's hear some good stories. And these are most of these are from people that you don't even know. Now, some yeah. of them that I have, yeah, you definitely know, and, and some of them you're going to wish you had known a lot sooner. So, yeah. I love it. Now, this is it's this is something I really enjoy doing, and I cannot stand to hear myself talk. So. So if, when I listen to this podcast back, I'm already talking too much, Matt. But so I'm sorry, you listeners who are having to hear me talk this much. But well, uh, and I'm gonna feel the same way too. <laughs> well, yeah, so, yours is good though. So, you know, but I'm gonna ask you something else though that uh, that occurred to me. You know, and it's like, you know, if if we could go back in the time machine and change it so that the outcome of that day it comes something different. You know, Mark comes home and da da da, and then you could you could see the two different timelines, and there are. As there, without question, that was a horrible day, and the consequence of that day is horrific and something we wish nobody would ever have to endure. 
but it happened. But if you couldn't do it, I guess because it happened, some incredible, incredibly good things also took place. And um, what would be the, you know, if, if it could be undone, what's the one thing or the two, two things maybe that you would lose, you would be giving up by having your brother back? Oh, wow. That's, that's deep. I would say um, I, wouldn't under, I wouldn't have as much of a, an appreciation of the military. And I wouldn't have known so many other great men and women. I mean, a lot of these people, they have these uh, unseen wounds. And, I mean, they have seen and done some just some crazy and, and good and hard stuff. And uh, a lot of people don't even have a clue. I mean, I mm-hmm. felt that way when I walked around Walmart with George Earhart. And, yeah. and I, you know, I saw a friend of mine from high school, and he I hadn't seen him in, you know, years and years. And, and he's like, what happened, Thad? You know, talking about Mark, and I said, "Well, here, George is right here." And I was like, "This he had this guy has no clue, really, who he's talking to." And I feel that way when I'm with a lot of Mark's Mark's friends, Ish, and you know, a lot of Johnny and Bobby, and all the ones I know, you know, especially really well, Chad, and I mean, so yeah, I think it's a, it's the caliber of people that quietly protect us, and yeah. I mean, they put themselves in harm's way, and they also have put themselves through some just some something some crazy training just to get to that point. You know, and that, that actually dovetails well with something I felt too, because again, as much as I wish I, it weren't necessary that I could get to know those people. I'm so glad I got to. So, I mean, you're kind of hitting the same thing I did. It's that it's interesting. It's because of the people, because of what, because of Mark's sacrifice, we were able to be touched by and touch so many more lives. And, you know, and it hit me even just as I'm thinking about it. So a year ago, like next week, uh, my eldest son uh, was sworn into the Coast Guard. And um, I, you know, whatever branch he would have gone into, I'd have been a, I would have been a button, button busting proud papa. But I have to think that my appreciation for his service and that of his shipmates is a bit deeper and a bit stronger having been so close to Mark and his world and the other people associated with it. I, I, I don't. And again, I'm coming back at this from being, I grew up as a Navy brat, you know, I've always appreciated the service and, you know, and, and I've taught my children to appreciate the service and the freedoms we have. And, and it's not rah, rah, gung ho, thump, chest thumping. And, you know, America's the best. I mean, we got our things, we got our issues, but, they put it out there in a way that most of us don't ever have to, and that is special, and it's worth a moment of, of really appreciation. And, um, you know, and even though you know Andrew's glory as day is scraping rust right now, the ship's in dry dock, but I I, I know the work he's doing is important. Yeah, because sure it all is. plays a role. It yeah. all plays a role. And yeah. Well, what else, Matt? What else do you, you want to? <laughs> what do you want to share you know, in closing or? You know, I guess the other question I had, and this is one that I've wrestled with, you know, I wondered it, you know, how is, uh, you know, we've got, um, what was the name of the base that Mark was stationed at? Was uh, it, it was Cobra, but it's, I think it's named Tinsley now. It was being, it was actually named Tinsley then, but it'd been known as Cobra for a long time, I think. Yeah. Is it still occupied by our people? I don't know. You know, and, and, and that's a question. I don't know. And I, and it, and if it's not, that means it's been pretty much probably secede, you know, ceded to the enemy, quote, or at least whom we regarded as the enemy, that the, 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 
the ebb and flow of the politics of the of the world and of the of all of that has not been I guess cutting to the chase, it's really hard sometimes not to feel like, what was it for? Did 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 this incredible, remarkable human being was his life wasted by an indifferent and stupid government and uh you know, and I don't feel that way, but I still have to question myself. And I've also, I've honest whether, honestly asked whether you feel that way. I don't, because I know it's a bigger, it's bigger than that. It's really bigger than your brother. It's bigger than your family, you know, but still it's hard not to think, at least wonder a little bit. I find it. Yeah. People ask me this question sometimes, but I will all, and I've had some people, oh, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess I won't. <laughs> Yeah, I, I would say no. Absolutely, it was not in his death was not in vain. Absolutely mm-hmm. not. And um, the, you know, unfortunately, the government, you know, our government has made decisions that, you know, I think adversely, obviously adversely affect our troops. Now, once again, I'm speaking as someone who's never been there, right? So, I, so we can we can all lay that out on the table, of course. But my opinion is. Uh, yeah, like, like like the rules of engagement, right? I mean, overall they're they're very strict and have gotten stricter. I think now I know I, th- I think they've might have loosened up here lately in the last few weeks, but um, they are there for a reason. But you know, I mean, when when they can't destroy a mud building because mm-hmm. it's a structure there, I think I, you know I, th- I think it's kind of dumb. So I'll never <laughs> understand all that, and uh, I don't know without getting too deep. But I would say absolutely his death was not in vain. I mean, even in the book, well, I don't know if this is in the book, but I, I do know that Wes Wilson, who was deployed with Mark and who was there on that mm-hmm. final mission, who helped us a lot with the book, um, Wes wrote us a letter, and he said the day after Mark was killed, Mark and Calvin were killed, you know, almost together. The day after, commerce opened back up in that area that hadn't been there in years because Taliban, the Taliban had been in control. And so oh. they cleared out an area of terrorists that had been, you know, that where they had controlled it for, I don't know, three, five years or something. And so it was, that was, there, there was successes to that mission, even though Mark and Cal were killed, uh, some mm-hmm. ANAs were killed, but, um, that was definitely sounds like a positive. And I think they're doing a lot of good over there. And, uh, yeah, I mean, maybe I'm not saying we should stay there. I don't know. But if, since we are there, I think the good outweighs the bad, for sure. Yeah, yeah, and I, it, it's a similar calculus that I kind of come to. It's that, you know, you can't assess these things in, 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 you know, in the micro, in the in the grand scheme of things, you know, and and even if it was the purpose of life, you know, Mark fulfilled his purpose, and you know, you and I share faith, and know that if his intent, if his purpose had been or his calling had been to go do other stuff, he would have been doing other stuff, mm-hmm. and. Uh, you know, so that's that's how I, I wrestle with those questions. But honestly, I ask it now because I've wondered. Hmm, I wonder how that that as I've as I've pondered them and thought about it. It's like I wonder how that feels about this. I've just never had the chance to ask you. And so, you it's know, easy, I it's think, also kind of easy for me to answer that way too because Mark was so convicted. I mean, he was so right. strong in what he was doing, and so you know, he was a big W Bush fan. And but when Mark went into the military, well, actually, Bush was the. Bush was the president, and then Obama came in. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, he was honored to serve under Bush. I know that, and uh, he, he was he was so committed that there's no way I could ever think that it was in vain. Right. Yeah, maybe that's the that's the lesson. Is it you know, 
figure out what we're supposed to be doing and and go after it aggressively yeah. and relentlessly, whether you know whatever it is that we're up to. But yeah, you know, um, you know, I guess just in closing again, I think uh, it has left an indelible impression on my life. I mean, I I will forever be proud of it. Um, actually, one of the, the neatest things happened to me. So my daughter. Our youngest, who's 10, she's almost 11. She'll be 11 next month. She's our, our little bookworm, uh, and that's probably an understatement. She is a reader. But, of course, most of it's fantasy and fiction and things like that. Um, she actually just recently – I started reading Boys in the Boat to her, and uh, she got impatient with my pace of reading it aloud at, at, you know, before bed, and she just finished it herself. And then um, somehow a week or so ago she was saying, hey, you know, she actually asked about Mark's book. She wants to read it. So I've got an extra copy here in the office. and. This all reminds me to take it home tonight. So here, sweetie, you know, uh, dive in. And, uh, you know, she might not get AR points for it because I doubt it's on the system for a ticket test on it. But, <laughs> you know, but she'll read it anyway. But, yeah. you know, she took she she took top honors for AR points in her school last year. And I think she's on track to be to do it again and not just win by a small margin. I mean, like two or three times what the next number two kid was at. So but, um, you know, I, I guess again, it's it's having people in our lives that that inspire us to to be better versions of ourselves. And you know, I always remember one of the things that stood out is Ish and his, him talking about the only time he smoked was when he was on de- when he was deployed, and that you know Mark all did hardly say anything to him. It was like you really shouldn't do that, and that's all Mark said. But whenever he might Ish saw Mark and he was smoking, he always tried to hide the cigarette. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. To have to exert that level of influence on somebody in a positive way, I mean, you know, that, what a what a, cra- a crazy, wonderful thing it would be to be a little bit like that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt. And you know, I I, I think I'm kind of underestimating right now, or I, I, I'm taking, I'm not considering most of the listeners right now have probably not read the book, and so there's so much more to it. And I don't want you to, I don't want it to sound like Mark was a high and mighty judgmental person because he absolutely was not by all accounts. You, you uh, can't make people <laughs> feel the love if you're looking down your nose at them. Yeah, true, true. Oh man. So, uh, one last thing, uh, with the, with the walk, 36 mile walk and also the race coming up on Saturday. Um, I want to, what advice would you give someone who was, since you've done the walk, what advice do you give someone who would be wanting to do it for the first time? Oh my goodness. Um, <laughs> plenty of socks, plenty of water. <laughs> um, socks, I think is the biggest one. If by now, if you are not trained, if you're, if you haven't trained up for it, the, you're not going to, you know, the, the, you know, it's past the point of, of anything getting prep work wise. It's just, I, I think, it's a physically arduous task, especially if you're not, you know, in top condition. And I wasn't in top condition, but I still got through the 31 miles. But the opportunity to do something hard and accomplish it was is, is precious and, and well worth doing it. And then the opportunity to visit and bond with the other people involved in the march. And actually, I got to see both sides of it because – you know, I had this incredibly rich experience of visiting with um, other walkers in that first year. And then when I went back the second year and I drove your pickup and was just, you know, following along. And but I kind of found myself a bit isolated I, and, I, and I didn't get to to uh, 
revel in that spirit of camaraderie and uh, of love, you know, that I felt when I walked it the previous year. And um, so I would say even as hard as it might be as you're doing it, you know, there the, the, the dividend is is amazing by doing it. Yeah. Makes it worth it. That's why you keep doing it every year, I'm sure. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't, I don't feel the pain and the hurt until you know maybe later because I just, I'm just kind of walking on air almost. I feel like so. It's a mm-hmm. great, it's a great experience. And, uh, I, I'm so grateful for so many people that come out and support, and most of them didn't even know Mark and and Matt. I appreciate you. I mean, you are a huge help with the book. You have a much deeper vocabulary than I do. Uh, I'm not ashamed to admit that my vocabulary is very, very weak. We're, we're all learning. I am a committed word nerd. I've loved them since I was little, and I'm a dyslexic, too. So, I mean, I started the fifth grade with a second grade reading level, so if that says anything, that I could graduate with a journalism degree and, you know, communications has become my, my profession, but uh, uh, I, I don't... I, I will only correct my children's grammar, you know, and I've always regarded a journalism degree as a bit of a curse because I hear it. Yeah. You can't not hear things when they're out of place, but I only correct my children. And the corrections that I did, I, I felt that it was paramount to preserve the voice of the people. And any changes I made, it was only to smooth the delivery and not create speed bumps, I guess. And that's it. But, uh, you know, I, I will forever be grateful and, uh, and gratified that, you know, you decided to kind of take a, uh, a bet on, on, on a person like me. Cause I remember you asked me, have you written a book before? I'm like, um, no, <laughs> but I've read a lot and, um, you know, and I, and I can start and I've said it with pride. I don't know how many times and, you know, I started my, I've started my freelance career, uh, you know, or my post corporate career, you know, the first gig I landed was writing a, you know, co-authoring a, a, a biography of a combat controller who was killed in Afghanistan. And I mean, it was the most remarkable experience of my life. I, I don't think I'll ever experience anything like it. And um, and it'll so it'll forever be precious and dear to me. Well, it's been a blast. And, Thank you, Matt. Absolutely. Uh, and, and appreciate, you know, listeners hanging in there. I mean, this is a different episode where we focused more on uh, Mark's book, My Brother in Arms, and on Mark and the process. Uh, just because um, Mark's birthday is today, May 15th. Uh, yes. He would be 36 years old, and uh, you know we have the big event coming up this weekend. So uh, please, if you are interested, I hope you you are. If you don't have the book already, go go check it out. You can you can buy it at markaforcher.com, or of course you can buy it on Amazon. Any bookstore, you can go into Books a Million, you can go into to, um, uh, Barnes and Noble. Uh, they may not have it on the shelf. If they don't, they can get it for you. You can order it from their website. So it's available just about anywhere. Uh, it's also electronic with uh, Kindle only. It was with a Nook, but um, the Nook just—I like—I I wanted to focus more on the on the Kindle, so we can run some more promotions and things like that, you, which I couldn't do if it was in if it was with the Nook also. So, well, I, I want to say one last thing about the book too. Okay. And one of the criticism we actually got, I think, early on was somebody. This is not a chest thumping, rah rah, you know, kill them all, let God sort them out book. Um, and and I know a couple of people were expecting, you know. You know, a Chris Kyle kind of a, a, of a of a read, and that's not what it was. Um, this is about what it, the makings of a, of a hero, what, or the makings of a remarkable life that ended remark. You know, it ended dramatically, but it was exceedingly well lived. 
And uh, I think it's something that, you know, if I would have my 11-year-old daughter, A, feel comfortable with her reading it, and B, believe that she fully expect her to be engaged by it, um, I think that says a lot. And this is uh, as far as what it is you'd be getting into if you pick up this book.